We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe. This week's guest is Craig Lemasters. Craig is an advisor, entrepreneur, investor, and board member with more than two decades of success in executive leadership positions, now dedicated to helping leaders get unstuck on major growth challenges. Craig works with global enterprises focused on identifying knowledge gaps, aligning organizations around core initiatives, and enabling critical decision-making. He was previously the CEO of Assurance Solutions, where he led the firm's digital transformation and global expansion. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Laura. I appreciate you having me today. Excited about our conversation. My, me as well. I, I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. So help me understand this stuck concept. What is it and why is it so important to networking effectively? Yeah, so I, I've, I've used the word stuck for probably the last decade or so, Lori, when I ran a big company, and that's that's sort of my background. I was, a, as you mentioned, a large company, public company CEO for a long time and was fortunate to um, – as I say, had the best big company job ever. And I decided to leave that a few years ago, actually, to uh, to get involved in this body of work. And what I became fascinated with in my tenure as CEO and now the last three years um, uh, with GXG and building this business model was this idea that, um, again, in very simple terms, we as leaders get stuck on really hard stuff. And let's just be super candid about it, have the humility to admit it. And I'm not talking about sort of knickknack things that we do as leaders and managers that are sort of within our core business, but we always have to be transforming and moving these enterprises forward. And the further away we get from our core, in my opinion, the harder it gets. And that's where we tend to get stuck. And it's what happened to me at Assurance. And now I've seen with dozens and dozens of clients all over the world that we work with, um, it's it's really common. And again, if we can just be super candid about it, I think it, it is a common thing that happens to all of us as leaders. So where does the networking come in? Well, my version of networking really is what I would call this wisdom-based learning that that I bumped into quite candidly six years ago. And the original founder of GXG introduced it to me. And um, I just found it an amazing way to get unstuck, as I like to say, which is really leveraging the really the power of other people's wisdom. And some of that we do through networking and most of it we do very intentionally. So that's where the whole stuck thing came from. So you caught my attention with the phrase wisdom-based learning. Can you kind of uh, go a little bit deeper on that? Sure. Uh, you know, again, I, I try to keep things really simple. It's kind of how I ran uh, the company, Assurance Solutions, that I ran all those years. Um, and when I 
bump into things that I think are inflection points at leaders, um, I, I really get quite candidly somewhat obsessed with them. And this whole business model really that we built was around the idea that um, when we get stuck on hard stuff, what it really means is, and my definition of wisdom, again, is very simple. It's this unique intersection of knowledge and experience but it has to be both. And so what I found over the years that if we get stuck on hard stuff, if somehow we can very intentionally interject that definition of wisdom, so other people that happen to have the knowledge and experience that have just simply gone before us and done the things that I'm trying to do, and we put that into a highly facilitated format, uh, we can get unstuck very quickly. We, we were meant to learn, or at least I believe we were meant to learn very quickly if it was in the right format. Um, and so that's what I mean by wisdom-based learning is how do we put people around us that have gone before us and have the knowledge and experience on, on very specific things. And, and the specificity is, is super important. Yeah, I really like that. I, I think there's a lot of power in that. And I like your definition of wisdom is the intersection of knowledge and experience. And um, that definitely makes sense. I like how you broke that down. Awesome. Yeah. And just one thing to add to that. I mean, I think because because when I talk about stuck, to go back to your first question, sometimes when I especially when I talk to CEOs, they get all taken back and some of the reaction often is, well, you know, I'm not really stuck. And then the more I talk about the definition, it doesn't mean you're not trying. It doesn't mean we're not working furiously on stuff. But what it typically means is we're just not moving as fast as we could be. Mm-hmm. And we're frustrated. And so why that definition became so important to me, because I tried to figure out, like, why was it sometimes my organization could move at warp speed and get stuff done? And we were morphing the company and doing all these cool things. And sometimes we got really stuck and the whole digital transformation was sort of my own personal case study. It's like, why are we struggling with that? And we finally did an honest assessment of really starting with me as the CEO and then my senior leadership team. What, what I found was... We We actually had a very, very low IQ, I would say, around digital. And that's when I started to think about, well, how would we define wisdom is what we didn't have was knowledge around the component parts of digital. And then me and my team had very little experience in it. We just didn't grow up doing that. And again, it wasn't that we were bad people, hopefully. Um, it wasn't mean we weren't trying. I mean, we were trying. We were buying companies and all that stuff. But it, it was really one of those, again, sort of aha leadership moments for me to say, well, what if we had that knowledge and experience actually sitting at the table helping us make these important decisions? Things might go a little bit faster. And so that's when the whole definition sort of came up. In the last three years, we've been working furiously to sort of refine that and and figure out how do you drill down on this wisdom formula. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Um, All right. Another question for you, Craig. So when it comes to asking for an hour of someone's time, that can definitely be very intimidating. From your experience, why why would someone want to participate in a one-on-one conversation? 
Yeah, no, it's, and it is a great question. And because we, we work on two formats, again, just to, because some of this is it's even harder. What One of our formats is sort of our version of executive coaching, which is we build a learning ecosystem around a leader, which really are, are individuals that we think have the right wisdom to transfer. So that's our version. That's the one hour conversations that we facilitate with people. But then we also do advisory board work where we're actually, ask, actually asking Individuals, and these are people working full time. They're not consultants or you know just subject matter experts. They're working full time, and we're asking them to join these advisory boards. It's just a day and a half commitment, three meetings over eight months, and we actually have a waiting list of people that want to do this. So it's a great question because you know why would somebody do that? How do you ask them? And what what I've found the last three years is. For me, it's a pretty cool part not to be altruistic about it, but just a sort of a state of human nature for me is people want to help other people. Mm -hmm. And if we ask them in the right way at the right time, and then we, and then we do the work for them, we don't, we don't then ask people to do a bunch of work and we, we don't ask them to be uncomfortable with their schedule. um, Then I find people love pouring their wisdom into others. Um, and so that's what we do. I mean, we're reaching out to people, you know, all day, every day uh, to either be on boards for us or to have one on one conversations. And and quite candidly, our board, our board seats, we do pay our clients pay a small fee to have board members join them. It's not much because most of them want to do it for their own learning experience. And then um, the one to one conversations are largely unpaid. There are people on our network that, again, under a very simple, controlled, facilitated format are happy to spend an hour helping somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you probably know this in, in, in your interest in the whole networking world, if you will. I mean, there's a lot written now about this whole topic of reciprocity. And, and I think it's a very real thing. I think people, again, if they're asked correctly and the format is easy are happy to share, in our case, their wisdom. And, and it's so much fun. It's fun to watch our clients bust through really hard things with these folks' help. And it's also fun to see the people in our network that are on the other side of the table learning as well and getting the joy of helping somebody. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really, a, it's quite a, a, a unique and amazing environment, quite candidly. Yeah, it's no, a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, and I like the emphasis on the word fun because it, at the end of the day, it's a feel good you know, emotion that you're having because you're seeing positive things from some of your actions, whether it's connecting the right people to, to right. solve the problems or, or just you sitting there helping, as you say, you know, pouring your wisdom into right. others. And I think that that's great. And one of the other things I really liked you said yeah. is that the format is easy. And I think that's extremely important because if it is complicated and time consuming as you were speaking to with like the lack of the wisdom or some knowledge and experience it makes it hard for people to want to help um even not necessarily want to but that they can help so i think that's important Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, back to what you, I love what you said, because here's a simple example. 
Um, I mean, who doesn't like to be asked to pour into somebody, not generally just saying, Hey, you're just a nice person. And that's okay. But ours is very specific. I mean, we're reaching out to people in our network because we've done homework and research and most of them are through referrals from other people that know them and say, Hey, you know, Jane told me that you really understand this part of blockchain, just Mm -hmm. as an example. And here's our understanding of your body of work. You know, tell me about that. First of all, people love telling their story. We just don't ask enough. And then when they tell our story, we simply ask them, would you share that same story with one of our clients? Because they could really benefit from it. Absolutely. And quite frankly, we almost never, ever get told no. Who doesn't want to do that? And then mm-hmm. it does have to be convenient, easy. So I think doing the homework and prepping people and not making them go fish around LinkedIn and try to figure out who they're talking to and why they're talking to them, we do all of that work for them. So what we we want is the precious moments that leaders have on the phone, both our client and the person we're putting on the, the phone in the board meeting with them. We want that to be nothing but wisdom transfer. That, that's the whole goal. We do, a, we call it 555. We actually do five minutes of introductory, but everybody's been prepped. Everybody knows why we're on that, that particular uh, conver- or having that conversation. And then at the end, we do a five minute summary and synthesis. And then one of our folks actually synthesizes in writing the whole conversation where they can all have the learnings and takeaways. So it's a super simple format, but we make it easy for people. Nice. Um, but, but it is fun. I mean, if people want to, if, if you, if you approach them that way, then I, I promise you, most people will help. We yeah. just tend not to do that. That's, yeah. that's, that's great. So Craig, what inspired you to ultimately embark on this 2.0 career <laughs> after leaving your public company CEO life? Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty good job. And uh, a lot of my uh, friends and family uh, thought it was kind of nutty, quite frankly, because uh, <laughs> no, it was. And again, I tell people all the time, I just, I had the best big company job ever. I got to build a big global company. We did really cool stuff. My passion was around global expansion and got to do that. The digital transformation was something I never thought I'd be a, get to be a part of. But I got to a point, is a few years ago, actually before I turned 55, that it just really struck me that um, I've been blessed with good health and same with my wife. And we both just kind of wanted to do some other things and just try to help people in different ways. And mine was really around this topic. I knew we had created some, as I call it, secret sauce at Assurance Solutions uh, to grow a pretty big company fairly dramatically. And um, a big part of it was this learning, this wisdom-based learning method methodology. And I, I just, I just got to the point where I just really wanted to go share it with other leaders. And, and quite frankly, it's because I wish somebody had shared it with me when I was say in my thirties, forties, or even early fifties. And so that's what I decided to go do is just to go out and tell the story and build a team. And we're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, that could execute this stuff flawlessly, hopefully. And with a very singular focus, I, you know, having sat in that chair, I mean, I was fortunate. I was the CEO for 11 years, which is a little unusual these days and a lot of wonderful times and a lot of hard times. And I tell you, when it's hard and you're stuck as a leader, I know it's cliche, but it's a 
super lonely feeling. I mean, it's just hard. And it's fun for me to get to go in and I can usually see within minutes when I meet with the CEO or a C-suite person, whether they're stuck or not. You can kind of see it on their face. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to share this, this, this sort of wisdom-based learning methodology to get them unstuck is incredibly gratifying. And, and back to the whole joy word I use a lot, it gives me a lot of joy to do that. And, uh, and I think it's why we're growing. I think it's why it's, 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 it's catching on and, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. I love that. I, I, I'm a big fan of the pay it forward mentality. Um, yeah. and definitely an advocate, you know, whenever I learn something new, I, my initial thought is somebody else probably wants to know this as well. <laughs> so exactly. just sharing it and educating others. Yeah. I, it's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a fun part of what you think about it. If we if we all would do that, I mean, wouldn't it be better for all businesses, all industries to do better? Right. We create more jobs. We create a better work environment for people. We spend a lot of time working and there's a lot of hard companies out there, a lot of challenge companies and a lot of people unhappy in their work. And, and I just maybe I'm too optimistic, but I believe a lot of that, if not most of it, is solvable with the right methodology. I just mm-hmm. think we often are going down the wrong path to try to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I'm definitely a believer in the, you know, sharing is caring philosophy. So the yeah. more you share, the better. Speaking of sharing, can you share with our listeners yeah. your most successful or favorite networking experience that you've had? Oh, wow. Most successful. Um, well, I'll give you a, first, I'll give you a GXG uh, story. Cause when I first, when they as I mentioned, the founder reached out to me, he was a friend of mine and had this idea. He had a big network of people and he said, I think they'll help other executives. So I actually did the first advisory board when I was running Assurant um, to help with this digital transformation. But my networking story is I was actually also the guinea, one of the guinea pigs early on for our version of executive coaching. So basically it was again, a network of people where we had these one hour facilitated conversations. So probably my favorite story is I'd been struggling trying to take our company into China. And we'd actually expanded into Asia, but China I found very challenging as most do. But it was really frustrating me because we had built global operations everywhere else and it worked, et cetera, et cetera. So I decided I would try this program. So he built a learning ecosystem. I was struggling with three or four very specific things in China. And then he populated it with people who had, guess what, lots of wisdom about doing business in China. So the very first connection calls, as we call them, um, that I had was actually a guy named Jim Firestone who was running Xerox in Asia. And I had no idea what this, how this call would go back to that. I mean, it was just a kind of a weird sounding mysterious thing. And I had this one hour facilitated call, which was a hundred percent about Jim sharing his wisdom on how to do business in China and the three or four things I was struggling with. And it, it just changed my thinking probably forever around how we should be learning. I mean, it was, it was a big deal and don't mean to be too dramatic about it, but I called the GXG guy back right away and said, look, 
here's my feedback. I had no idea I could learn that much in one hour. <laughs> and I, I thought about that conversation. Oh, this is almost seven years ago now. And again, at that point, I had no idea I'd ultimately buy GXG and this is what I'd be doing as a vocation. Um, but it really blew my mind that this guy, and, it, and the more I analyzed it, Laurie, it was like, it, it was almost stupidly simple. Well, why wouldn't he be able to help me? The guy has spent 25 years working in China. Mm-hmm. both on ground and then back at their headquarters. So of course, and this is super practical stuff. This wasn't behavioral leadership stuff, which is fine. This was very practical, like do business with these folks and not these. These regulators you talk to, not those. I mean, stuff that we were bumbling around and making mistakes and kind of finding our way and losing money, quite frankly. And so anyway, over, over the course of about, a month, I had five of those conversations, and I went back later and added up the the number of years. It was a hundred, almost 120 years of experience that got to pour, that I had pouring into me over a period of time about China, and ultimately, um, it's become a very nice operation there, and that really changed the way again how I just thought about learning. And, and to keep in mind, you know, I had a great company. I mean, they paid for my MBA. I got to do all executive coaching. I had, you know, I had Bain and McKinsey coming in every year and doing massive consulting decks. Um, it wasn't that I didn't lack information um, or in knowledge in some case, but again, it, these, these five people had that unique intersection of knowledge and experience. So that's probably the, that's probably one of my highlights on, the, on the whole, on my networking, got lots of them. Obviously, the last three years, but for me personally, that that was a real game changer. Yeah. Well, I'm and I'm definitely a fan of the advisory board kind of philosophy, where you know it's not just one person, but you're getting different perspectives and scenarios and expertise and experiences. You know, just you know, going back to the word wisdom here from all different angles, right. it's just so powerful and. If someone hasn't experienced that, I would say try to find a way to get involved in a group along those lines to to really. Yeah, no, I I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. There's tons of networking groups out there. There's lots of them that um, I mean, there's just a lot of different formats. And, you know, ours is and again, it's not for everybody. Ours is designed my passion. I mean, I'm an operator. I mean, we're technically a consulting advisory firm. But as I tell people, I'd probably be a terrible traditional consultant because I mean, I'm just an operator. I got a good fortune of growing up in a great company and running a big company. And so my focus using these tools, whether it's advisory or one-to-one conversations, is this obsession with getting unstuck. Um, So we don't really do a lot of ideation, design thinking. I mean, we can can validate strategy stuff, but I'm a big fan that there's actually more good strategies than there are good execution plans. And so what I get excited about is getting that small board together, and I call it the A to B exercise. If you're at point A and we can, you, you know what point B looks like and you're just stuck getting there, 
then we can solve that. You can, you can, you can find three or four people who have done the component parts of almost anything. I think we've covered probably uh, 12 or 13 different industries and about a hundred different categories of stuck, we would call it. Because again, it's not us solving it, it's we just have the secret sauce of facilitation, finding people and synthesizing it. But that's the part I get excited about. Now, the good news is, like you said, I mean, you can use, I mean, people have wisdom across many, many spectrums, and I encourage everybody, especially when I get to do talks now, I mean, I'm not out pitching the GXG way of doing this. I think the general category, and that's so excited about the work you're doing with this podcast, quite frankly, is getting out and intentionally meeting and finding people that have wisdom that's important to you. And then the reciprocity of you doing the same thing. Uh, and there's tons of good formats. I'm completely biased about mine if you want to get on stuff, but uh, <laughs> lots, lots, of, lots of formats out there. So let's talk about that a little bit. What advice would you sure. offer that business professional who's really looking to grow their network? How would they start? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think a couple of just sort of philosophical things is number one, I would start with, I do everything point A to point B. What's the point of the network? Mm -hmm. I know we just networking because it's social, which is fine too. And there's some people who just love the social aspect of networking. Not my thing. Uh, what I found is most leaders like myself are actually introverts. And this is a really hard topic for us. <laughs> I always tease people. And again, in one of the talks that I do, I use an example contrasting networking to some of the work we do. Um, and for me, networking was very intimidating because what it really meant was there's a room of 100 people that probably have some interesting ideas now go meet them and find out what those are and that's really hard for me quite frankly i'd probably go in and say hello and then go to my hotel room and call my family and not do that at all mm -hmm. and it's funny i told that story a lot and i think a lot of leaders in that same bucket so where i would start is what is the output we're looking for so why build your own network right and i think it hopefully comes down to two three no more than four buckets of things or as i would call wisdom that you'd really like to have. And whether it's to do your current role better or for the role you aspire to. So number one is what what you know what, what is the end state? What is your point B here? And then the second thing is be super intentional about how you go find those people. Um, because again, it, it, it's a little bit of a slippery slope because People will tend to think they have a lot of wisdom across every topic, <laughs> but the reality is we don't. And what we try to do and what I encourage people to do is, is get very granular, right? So if you, again, are in a digital role, you know, and you're lacking a piece that you'd like to know more about, go find the people that have that piece, not, 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 not broad. Let's get really granular on it. Third thing I would say is, again, back to reciprocity, this only works if people actually believe that you want to help them learn and grow as well. Uh, and again, I'd be super intentional about that. And the last piece is, is, to, um, is really to prepare. And again, if you reach out on your own and you find people or create your own networking group or start participating in one, show up prepared and, and know who the people are and exactly what you're trying to learn from them. 
And, um, and then the last thing is have fun with it. I mean, there's nothing more, again, enjoyable than building your own, having your own network of people that you can go to and go to repeatedly. And one of the great, again, joys I get out of our process is when people leave our process, they have this network forever. We don't own it. These are just people we know, mm-hmm. but they're theirs. And it's awesome after three years of doing this, seeing people stay connected and, and some even move around companies and help each other with that. Some of them actually work together now. And most of them come back to us and say they would have never done that on their own. Um, you can do it on your own, but I think, again, back to that number one, you got to know what you're after and then be very intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are all very really long, good. very long answer, but that's okay. That I think it's great. <laughs> I, I kind of took it. I love the idea of um, just really what's the point of, ne- of the network. I think that's really powerful. And then I just to summarize your, your speaking points is, you know, what is the output yeah. that you're looking for? What is your goal and objective? And to be extremely intentional yeah. about where you intend to yeah. find these people. Um, but I, I believe in reciprocity and knowing that, you know, it, it is a two-way street is extremely important. And the last two, yeah. uh, the most important is you have to be prepared. You can't just show up yeah. without any, without doing your homework, but most importantly, have fun with it. And it, it's not, a, it can be yeah. scary, but you can change your mindset to, to yeah. have fun with it. So. Yeah, it, it, it is funny. You said that a couple of times, Lauren, and I, and I agree with that. Again, particularly as sort of an introvert, I, a lot of this stuff is, is you know, is, is still sort of scary to me. But what I found is there's there's some key things to, if you just are bold enough just to ask people for help and use those words that I need help. And even if they can't do it, guess what? They will help you find people that can. Mm-hmm. And we have these conversations all day again, every day when we're reaching out to people and asking them to help. They, you know, again, if they're really candid with us, they may say, Hey, I'm, I'm not a blockchain expert or, you know, maybe that's, you know, that was flattering, but that's not really a thing. But guess what? You know, my friend Jim down the road, um, he really is. And I want you to talk to him because he would love to help. And, you know, and again, people get into this whole conversation of, you know, second, third, all the way to sixth degree relationships and other things that are really interesting to me. Um, but it's real. But it starts with us just being bold enough to ask people to help. And usually the reaction is amazing. I mean, again, done the right way, people really, really do want to help. Um, but the intentionality is is super important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that on a number of different levels. Um, all right, Craig. So if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Wow. So see, with me, that's taking me back a few years now. So um, <laughs> my 20, my, my, my 20-year-old self, I, I think um, probably two broad categories. And one, I won't I'll try not to be redundant, is, is really what I just went through on the networking. I wish when I was 20 that somebody had taught me how to go find 
intentionally find the wisdom I needed to do my job better and to get the next job that I aspire to. Um, I wish I'd learned that very early. And one of my great passions at GXG, we've been able to attract some just incredibly bright younger talent. A number of our folks are former men with consulting firms for a few years and want to come out and really help people solve hard problems. And the reason I think we're able to attract them is that, look, you're, you're going to get to interact with, and we probably have a thousand people or so in our network now, um, you're going to get to interact with some of the most amazing people. So while you're helping our clients, you're going to be learning all this stuff and you're going to be learning how to build your own network, how to do this for our clients. So I would have done that. Number one, um, I think the second thing, and I had some good mentors that um, actually were pretty insistent with me on this, but there's there's just never too much, and that's this thing called humility. Um, and if you think about our business model and what I'm trying to share with this wisdom-based learning, it only works if the leader, the person, has enough humility to ask or want and then ask for the help. And I, I, I see that missing sometimes, and those aren't great people for us to work with, quite frankly. But I think as a 20-year-old, learning that, and I just picture a sponge, just be a be humble enough to be a sponge, seek out these super wise people. And I think particularly for younger people, 20s, even in the 30s, um, people, quite frankly, my age, as we get into our 50s and late 50s and 60s and maybe older, love sharing the wisdom, again, if it's asked for in the right way. Um, so those probably be the two buckets that I would say I do a little differently. I think that's great. I love both of them, actually. I think humility is something that uh, is important to learn early on uh, instead of thinking that you know how to do everything. Because as we spoke to the definition yeah. of wisdom, circling back to that, yeah. you know, it's a combination of knowledge and experience. And even though you have the knowledge, you, you may not have had the experience, which has That's right. evolved your perception and, and learning overall. No, it really, it really has. And, 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 and it's so fundamental. And again, I would stress this with, with all of your listeners, Lori, that the reason that becomes so important, it's okay if things are going well and your company's growing and there's no issues, which we do get in seasons when that happens. None of this is that important. Those are the fun, you know, those are, those are pretty easy times. The challenge is it doesn't last long. So as we move away from our core business to the new stuff, I call it, the consultants call it adjacencies, but just new stuff. You don't have to move very far from your core. And guess what happens? Your own personal knowledge and experience plummets. It, it's not a it's it's not a, a a a small slope. It is exponential, which is kind of intuitive. But that's when the humility quotient is super important because if you're going to get to that next level and and be a part of morphing your organization. You better have the humility to raise your hand and say, I don't have the knowledge and experience here, but I know there's people that have it. I want to talk to them. I want to work with them quickly to learn it because you can learn it super fast. That's why all of our formats are very short. Our board meetings, three meetings, one and a half days, one hour conversations. I mean, it, it's, it's to me, I call it a throwback of, of the history of education. We were supposed to learn hard things from super wise people in a very small format. Mm -hmm. And it was never supposed to take a long time. 
I mean, it doesn't have to, uh, but that's when the whole knowledge and experience is, is super important. If you don't have the humility when you move outside of your core, a lot of companies don't exist today because of that. It's so important. I actually we have a book coming out in the first of the year, and I have a whole chapter on humility because I got so many questions about why, how does this work, and what's the, what is the thing that makes it work? And I'm like, well, our part's actually pretty easy. The business model is very straightforward. It's the humility on the other side of the table that's critical. So mm-hmm. we ended up doing a whole chapter on humility. That's know? awesome. I love it. Um, all right, Greg. So, do you have any final word? or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, yeah, I, I, again, I would, I would do it very process wise, Laurie. I know that's not a uh, fancy digital comment, but be, be just super intentional about it and start with your own learning gaps. Be very honest with yourself, draw a picture, put yourself in the middle and just draw an ecosystem. What are the three or four things that you really need to learn to do your job better and to get the next job you want? Um, Start with that and really understand what you're trying to learn and then be super specific and intentional about the outreach and um, and have a blast with it. That's awesome. I love it. Craig, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach yeah. you? Uh, best way is our, our website, Lori, gxg.co. Uh, gxg.co is the best way to do it. And we have tons of uh, content out there around this topic and our wisdom based learning and some really cool case studies. Uh, best way to do it. And we're uh, both GXG and then me personally on LinkedIn. Uh, we publish quite a bit of content that we're interested in. So, uh, so gxg.co is the best way to start. Great. And we will include that information in our show notes. Awesome. Craig, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lori. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Craig for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash social capital network. In the meantime, if you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.